That was too close! You were almost a movie boy sandwich! <laughs> she doesn't really get sandwiched in this. A couple other people get sandwiched. Jill doesn't so much get sandwiched. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was funnier coming out of my mouth than it was in my head. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Mm, right. Back in the game. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the spin off Doctors. I'm your movie boy, Jim Sterling. That's right. I almost said yes. Jim. I almost said Jim Stanton. Uh, Jim Sterling. <laughs> <laughs> wow, how often does that happen? Like that's the first time ever. Lawsuits <laughs> on the brain. And I'm joined by my movie boy Conrad Zimmerman. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. I just watched Resident Evil Apocalypse. As have I, and I've got facts which I will be Ooh. littering throughout. That's going to be my new thing. Your uh, new while... thing is going to. You're going to bring the facts. I'm going to bring the truth. Except the ones that are too boring. This one had a lot of continuity errors and goofs, and I couldn't be bothered to list them. So I got some, just some interesting fun facts I'll, I'll, I'll dish out throughout. Uh, but before we do anything, I'd like to offer, on behalf of the movie boys, I'd like to offer um, a sincere apology, deep from within my heart and soul. It is, it is actually like a knife in my soul that we did what we did last time. Um, the Need for Speed episode was a mistake. <laughs> I think that's a fair description. Um, trash, garbage trash mm -hmm. is another one. Total dumpsters is another way you could describe it. Uh, I am sorry. It, it was a very, very, very boring film. It's not quite a war crime. Like, we're not... No. Not, no. Not there, but but maybe just below war crimes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not so arrogant as to suggest we're capable of war crimes, but we come close. And, yeah, I, I understand people <laughs> found it very dry, very dreary. I was also off my tits. Um, I'd, I'd taken my first bout of pain medication for my... Um, you know, long-running back injury just before we started recording because I'd just gotten them. And I We learned never... a valuable lesson. Yeah, yeah. I'd never had stuff that strong before. And, I mean, normally I, I can, I'm like Captain America with intoxicants and stuff. Like, it, 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 it processes fine. But that first go was just, yeah. So no, nothing was good for us. Nothing worked. <laughs> uh, I wish I could promise it won't happen again. But I don't know how boring some of the other films we're going to watch are. <laughs> so I can tell you this week will be better. Yes, this week will be better. Because we've got a high-octane, action-packed, adrenaline-pumping film with breasts for our pleasure and zombies. So everything's tickety-boo. We're doing Resident Evil Apocalypse this week. And I genuinely think we got a lot, a lot of fun we can have with this one. Mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. so. Um, more so, I think, than the first one. Uh, but that's just my uh, personal opinion. Um, normally, we would talk about the history of the game, our personal history with the game, before we talk about the movie. But this is a sequel, so this is an interesting exercise. Is how do we fill up this shit? Um, or do we just go on to plot? But with this one, I feel like we could at least talk about Resident Evil 7. 
Yeah, we could, although I haven't actually played that demo yet. Oh, right. Straight onto the plot then. <laughs> yeah, I downloaded it, and I did exactly the same thing with uh, the demo for Resident Evil 7 that I did with the demo for PT. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, I'm really excited about this. I'm going to download it. Never played it. <laughs> still have I still have the demo. My PS4 is like one of those prized units that still has the PT demo on it. Wow, you can sell out on eBay. I sure could, um, but I haven't. I still haven't gone back to play yeah, it. Well, there you yeah. go. People uh, I, I, are very I, mixed on it. Are they? Yeah, I, I, I played it. Uh, yeah. I I found it enjoyable, um, but I found it enjoyable as a fan of Outlast, not oh. as a Resident Evil fan. You know, I, I count myself as a as a fan of, of at least a fan of you know proper Resident Evil, uh, not the travesty it became with resi 6 i am very glad they decided that oh shit like horror is actually popular and good um and and they're going that route uh, but i definitely didn't enjoy it for its resident eviliness i enjoyed it for its for the fact that it was outlast slash pt slash uh, deliverance slash the blair witch project uh, it is one of the most derivative 15 minutes I've ever had with a game. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, no, der- der- derivation done well is still excellent. Oh, it's, it's, uh, the, it's, it's caused the creation of many great games. Right. Um, so, so I'm, you know, I love the, uh, the Darksiders games, for example, and they are derivative as heck. You know, they, oh, they steal yeah. so much from so many. Singularity as well was, was a game I championed back in the day, and it is every FPS you've ever played. Uh, so I'm not so much bothered about that. But I do think, unlike what some people think, I think it does have a, a bit of a resi flavor to it. There's something about the way you interact with the environment and objects and things that makes it more Resident Evil than people are giving it credit for. And I feel like that's something that will be more apparent in the main game, um, but I'm not too sure yet. And I've only played the demo once. Um, there is rewards, I'm told, for playing it multiple... In fact, I've seen screenshots of things that I never saw in my playthrough. So there's a lot to unpack in there. Um, again, maybe well, I, something they learned from PT. I don't think there's any winning for them. Where it's, you know, I mean, it, they make a great game, that will ultimately be the victory, but until that point comes out, the demo and the changes uh, that they're making to what the game is going to be are going to be met with uh, uh, either skepticism or outrage from someone. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, and it, they, people are, I'm thrilled that they're not doing what they were doing with 6 and and 5 to a lesser extent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect them to make four again ever i mean you know i mean apart from re-releasing it again and again and again and again they're going to keep doing that but um and and i i i think that the older games are so antiquated from a gameplay perspective that there would be a real fear of going back there but if you're not going to do the stuff that you have been doing and you don't go back to the original style you're just going to wind up pissing off the fans of that original style who really would have wanted you to go back. So yeah, yeah it, and to it be doesn't honest, really matter what they do. I um, respect the fact that the original, because the fact they're calling it Resident Evil 7 suggests that they're not rebooting. They're not saying like, you know, all the other stuff hasn't happened. You know, it's all gone, but it does seem to indicate that all of, like that's chaptered now. 
the whole mm-hmm. umbrella, Chris Redfield, all that stuff is is chaptered. That's the sense I'm getting. I don't have any insider knowledge or anything like that. It's just a pure speculation. Could be totally wrong. Um, that would be great. I and would I do love get the them sense to get that, away from that. Yeah, like this is okay. That stuff did happen. This is the same world, but this is a totally different experience because the whole I mean, thing seems to be, and they're really promoting it that way. Like you know their whole spiel is like join the family so it's this whole like texas chainsaw massacre creepy family unit in the woods kind of thing um with which and i'm guessing there will be some references to you know some crossover bits but that story that whole original umbrella tricell chris claire etc uh story got so convoluted by the end Mm -hmm. of it it went from this charming campy b-movie style horror story to like anime influences and overly complex sci-fi plots and it was like it just it it got too overgrown well every game had to raise the stakes yeah yeah. And and there's just by the time it gets to the point where Wesker is throwing missiles. <laughs> it's just like uh, they they've crossed a line for me. It's just too goofy. Yeah. Um yeah. I can't I can't I can't be afraid of something that's just so silly. Yeah. I think Resident uh, so. Evil 4 really um found that perfect balance because mm-hmm. it well it, it had it was the Metal Gear Solid style of, of Goofy, where it was like, a lot of this stuff is campy and cheesy and silly, and then suddenly it can gut punch you with something, um, which I think Kojima's very good at. And Resident Evil 4 did it. Like, Leon was... He's nothing like he is in Resident Evil 6, where he's all dour and serious. In Resident Evil 4, he's wisecracking. He's, he's like this wannabe James Bond, almost. Uh, terrible... Um, quips and things that aren't funny uh and and it's really like it's a funny game but then suddenly you'll be grabbed by some ganado you know villager with its head exploding and parasites coming out of it and you're like holy shit uh so they did that they they did mood whiplash really well Um, Well, and that you you bring up a, a good point too between with resident evil 4 and then the concept of chaptering all of these events because you have your Resident Evil 1 through 3 and your Resident Evil 0. And then you you go into Resident Evil 4 and it is such a different so uh sorry, such a different tone and mm-hmm. setting and execution of gameplay that it feels like it's something totally fresh and different. Yeah. Uh yeah, as compared to what came before. And then uh they allowed I think a lot of the the cruft that had developed in those earlier games to then infest this new tale that they were setting up. Yeah, they and tried to tie too much together, and then it became a mess. And I think I, th- I think you're right. They should have let like, you know, I, I I forget which was the last one before Fort. Like I think maybe Code Veronica was the last. Yes, canonical. I think that's right. Um, but certainly that era, end it there. Resident Evil Four, the start of a whole new thing, uh, and keep it like that. But you know. Resident Evil 5 came along and they had to... And even in uh, Resident Evil 4, in um, some of the extra content, you know, Wesker was brought in and there was yeah. like Neo-Umbrella stuff. And and then, then it got too bogged down. So this, I'm hoping, they are just wiping it clean and saying, right, all new story. Um, and the other thing that makes me think of that is the fact that it is set in this creepy house in, in the middle of nowhere. Like, they're, they're bringing back the Resident part of Resident Evil. Because that's, you know, that's what it was. Resident Evil... 
it was in a, a big spooky mansion. It didn't need to be some worldwide globe-trotting ga- uh, game of conspiracies and United Nations plants and stuff. It was scary fuck-off house. And yep. Resident Evil 7 is scary fuck-off house. And I, I, I like that back-to-basics approach. There are so many game series that would benefit from a back-to-basics approach. So I remain guarded, because you know, I don't trust Capcom with a lot of things. Well, no. Um, but I with remain the exception very hopeful. Of- with the exception of Code Veronica, um, I think all of the games otherwise, they're in that Arclay region. They're all located in and around Raccoon City. The f- I mean, the first three were, certainly. And, well, wasn't Zero also? Uh, zero, well, um, Zero, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when I'm talking about, I'm talking about, like, canonically. Rather oh, than is Zero releases. not part of the canon? It is, but it, canonically it is before the other shit. Okay, but it's all in the same region is my is my point. They're key. They were keeping it centralized, and then once it went global, that's yeah. That's what I was trying. I think we're saying the same the thing, but yeah. where it cross cross wires with with how we're saying it. And and that's and that and again, so I, like I I know a lot of people love Resident Evil Five, but that's the point at which the series completely loses me. No, like, same totally. Here. I played through all of Resident Evil Five, and I uh, I just didn't feel much from it. Yeah. I didn't feel much from it at all. I, I petered out about halfway through the game, and I was playing co-op with someone I was living with. <laughs> we're, we're in in adjoining rooms on our own TVs playing networked on 360s, and it should have been the best possible experience that we could have had with that game at that time. And I was so bored yeah. that I just I stopped. I watched him finish it uh, eventually when he got to the last bit. I was like, oh, okay, that's what happens. Fine whatever yeah my, my impression but, of it was a very well-made game that was just by the numbers mm-hmm. it was purely by the book just just plodding along to its conclusion and yeah it could have been it could have been anything that's the thing it could have been any game yeah exactly they, they just made they they dressed it in resident evil mm-hmm. uh they stuck umbrella or tricell was it tricell by uh, that I think, point i think five was tricell yeah yeah whatever <laughs> Yeah, I, but the but the movie sequels, at least this sequel, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, it's kind of a thing. It's it's kind of a thing. I mean, the movies became their own whole thing. Yeah, and and, and this is and this is like it's interesting too because where this film uh, deals, it you can draw a lot of comparisons between what goes on in it and Resident Evil Nemesis. You know, the the third game. <laughs> <in> the It's time for Jim's fact of the show. It's okay. interesting that you brought up Resident Evil Nemesis. Because oh, really? I have a fact of the show. Please, share your fact, Jim. Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is the movie we're about to discuss, uh, was originally, because of its ties to Nemesis, going to be called Resident Evil Nemesis. That was It was going to be called that. However... Star Trek Nemesis had come out recently beforehand and had bombed so badly that they threw Apocalypse in to avoid association. And that was a right move because Star Trek Nemesis sucks balls. (laughs) Well, there you go. They they dodged a bullet there. Um, Yeah. In fact... Yeah, we really needed Wrath of Khan again. Yeah. Needed it real bad. And it, we needed it so bad, we did it a third fucking time. But, you know. <laughs> it turned out, actually, to, be, to have been a good move, because... 
I've only got four of these, so I'm, I'm burning through them too quick. But it's, it's too pertinent. Etc. Um, Resident Evil uh, Apocalypse's trailer was one of the most popular trailers of its year uh, between November 2003 and May 2004 with uh, over 8 million downloads. So there was a lot of hype for this one. Wow. There you go. That, that's why they've got so fucking many of them, because this movie series became so fucking popular. Inexplicably popular, Inexplicably yeah. popular for something that is... I mean, it is a trash B-movie horror movie series, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't mean that necessarily disparagingly. It's, well, but... it's, it's trash B-movie with some production value and... Yeah. and uh, I, w- I almost said talented cast. And, and, and that's competent that's true it's true in the case of mila jovovich that she is talented she doesn't really apply it in this film or yeah. any of the other resident evil films as far as i'm aware yeah no, but... she is fan- she, you know she's fantastic when when she's on mm-hmm. um, but for these films uh yeah i never get the sense that she's fully on she's still damn like i th- i think she's still good yeah when she's, I think she's entertaining you know when she's phoning it in but I do get that sense that she's not that bothered about what she's doing in these films. I could be wrong. That's just my read on her performance. Well, probably helps when you're sleeping with the director. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I was about to blow the trumpet, but I'll save the fact of the day between them two <laughs> for towards the end of the film. Um, so I think we should probably just crack on with it. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, we will. I'll throw in that stupid organ sound, and then we'll come back with the plot. Opening with a recap of the first film's events as told by Alice. Yep, we've got uh, our uh, prologue we got uh, our, discussion yeah. bit. Monologue. We got a little voiceover explaining that, uh, well, you can listen to the episode that we did on it, and, mm-hmm. and you'll know what happens. Yeah. Uh, we're then shown a weather report of a sunny day in Raccoon City, provided by reporter Terry Morales. <laughs> Oh, do we have a fact? Yeah, fuck. I mean, it ca- the fact came up so so much later in the film, I didn't realise I'd have to do it now. Because I actually, I was doing a million things this morning, so kind of skimmed the, the like, I had it open in a tab. So I didn't realise this fact would be so pertinent this soon. But the heat wave... Well, you've said nothing. It's already pertinent. I know. But the weather report, the weather report ha- has an interesting fact attached to it. Because the costume for Jill Valentine, especially in Nemesis, uh, in the game, was, you know, short skirt and blue sh- top that was really just not practical looking. It was a strange choice. Yeah, and because, you know, Anderson's a dirty bastard, he had um, uh, Mila Jovovich wearing not much in the way of clothing either. And apparently that didn't sit well with Mila, who needed a plot reason for them to be dressed like that. Uh, go, the idea that there's a heatwave in Raccoon City was her idea. She <sighs> pitched um, a heatwave in Raccoon City to explain why they're not wearing many clothes. And the only problem with that was they were filming in November, so it was cold as fucking shit for them. <sighs> on the one hand, good on her for making them ha- insert a justification. I don't think it helps. <laughs> I don't think anyone else would have cared, but yeah, it was the only good that way she you... thought that way. 
the only way you make that observation and retain it going forward is if you have a little pop-up that comes up on your video that points it out to you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly how I watch these things. Yeah, you watch Amazon um, movies on a browser and you get to learn all this inconsequential, pointless bollocks. Meanwhile, down at the entrance to the hive... A group of umbrella scientists in hazmat suits reopen the door and are immediately overwhelmed by T-virus-infected things. A high-threat response team moves into Raccoon City to collect specific individuals deemed of value to Umbrella Corporation, including Dr. Charles Ashford and his daughter Angela, to take them out of the city. Mm -hmm. A reference to the games. I, I yes. won't give that a trumpet. No, not necessarily. Not needed. The vehicle carrying Angela crashes killing her driver, driver, but leaving her alive. Cut to 13 hours later, Raccoon City's in chaos as the T-virus-infected zombies run free. It's something like an apocalypse. It is a, very similar yeah. to one, what one might describe as an like apocalypse. Like a very, very yes. small one, because it's not actually an apocalypse. Like, it's, it's no, a city it's just, overrun. It's a suburban apocalypse. Yeah, suburban... That doesn't work. Move on. <laughs> Some portmanteaus aren't worth pursuing. Uh, after a quick gearing up, disgraced suspended cop Jill Valentine bursts into the Raccoon City police station and starts making headshots on every infected in the building. Now, this might seem weird, but if you're really, really paying attention or pause when the newspaper clippings pass by, this is not her first time being exposed to zombies, apparently. It's why she got suspended. <laughs> This is never she got addressed. suspended for being too near zombies. <laughs> I, I guess she tried to warn people, and they're like, "You're nuts. We're gonna suspend you." That's that's it's it's in the newspaper clippings. I swear to God. That's it. When you can't be when you can't be fucked to tell a story, just hide some text containing it in your film. <laughs> she then shoots the handcuffs off of what I can only assume is a pimp played by, by Mike Epps, yep. and suggests to her former partner, Peyton, that everyone should leave town. At a temporary command center set up by Umbrella outside the city, a douchey executive activ activates Project Alice, and Alice wakes up in some form of sterile lab environment, bringing us back to the conclusion of the previous film, including her hospital exit and acquisition of a shotgun. Uh, and I think they use the same footage. I do believe so, yeah. Okay. I don't, of I don't course think they did. <laughs> well, I mean, why shoot it twice? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Umbrella has set up a perimeter wall around the city, and residents can only leave by crossing a checkpoint at Ravensgate Bridge to ensure that no infected get out. And concerned about the swelling mob of fleeing people, Umbrella Security calls in reinforcements from a chopper. Uh... These guys decide that it's more important for them to ignore their orders and make a quick stop to try and rescue a woman running from a horde of zombies on a rooftop. As you do. And, and then the woman just kills herself because she's been bitten and no she'll turn. So there was really no point to the exercise no, at all. Waste of time. Waste of time. Uh, chewing up scenery, really. Mm -hmm. Back at the checkpoint, an infected shows up and attacks, biting Peyton before being put down by Jill Valentine. Uh, Chief, Chief Executive Douche shuts down the checkpoint in response, trapping everyone who remains in Raccoon City, 
while Jill Payton and the reporter Terry Morales look on. So now we've got we're getting all our characters together. You see that everyone's meeting up. Yeah, I will say this about this film, especially in comparison to the first one. The action is immediate. Like there's no mm -hmm. preamble. There's no slow build. Like this film is pretty consistent like just it doesn't beat, beat, well it doesn't beat. do the thing where it tries to make you question what kind of movie you're watching the way the first one did mm -hmm. you already should have an expectation of what this movie yeah. is going this in. movie is committed to just being a action-packed schlocky zombie film and and yes. i think that's why what one of the reasons i enjoy it more than the first is it just it doesn't fuck around mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that um let's see Umbrella's forces inside the city are overwhelmed by the infected, and they're forced to start retreating. And outside the perimeter, Dr. Ashford has refused to evacuate without his daughter, in spite of Chief Executive Douche's insistence that she wouldn't even be allowed out at this point if she were still alive. In the command tent, Ashford finds that his Umbrella network credentials have been revoked, but he hacks into the system and uses its personnel tracker and closed-circuit camera feeds to locate his daughter, yeah. who is hiding out at her school. Yeah, don't question then, it. Like, like, he can do all this. It's fine. Yes, yeah. He, this is all within his capabilities as a genetic scientist. Yeah. He's got glasses um, and he's in a wheelchair. He can do all this. That's movie logic. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, when you, uh, when you lose the, the use of other parts of your body, your brain... Uh, becomes more powerful to compensate. That is what I've learned from Hollywood. Uh, he first finds Alice, who, still in her hospital gown, breaks into a military surplus store for some clothes and guns. I, I guess they have cute tank tops at military surplus stores. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a heat she, on. That's true. Of course, they, they're going to sell skimpy military surplus. Right, that just makes sense. Well. While she's there, she experiences something moving underneath her skin and has memories of being injected with the T-virus. Ashford then locates Jill, Peyton, and Terry, who are moving to hide in a church. And as they enter, we see a liquor hanging out on the roof with the gargoyles. This right here, this first look at the, you know, sort of more CG effect stuff, instantly shows that, that uh, Anderson has dramatically learned from he's, his experience. He's gone from, like, amateur to advanced journeyman status. This is not great CGI, but it is it is very, very adequate. It, it it's, works. Yes. Um, it's adequate for the time in which it was made, and, and it's... He has learned to better mask the uh, uh, ugliness yeah. of it yeah. with, with lighting effect and he uses you know, lighting, a lot of deep shadow. He uses distance very well and speeds like the liquors. And he still Ooh. uses, he's, uh, but again, he still uses the trick of seeing it on a camera screen. And I, mm -hmm. I appreciate that he didn't let go of that either because that was not a bad technique. It was just not well executed yeah. last time. Yeah, it's a good little and trick if you just, you know, you just got to pull it off right. It's all in the wrist. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he does it better this yeah. time, I think. And, the, and um, I do think the liquors look pretty pretty good. You know, they, they do look pretty good. They're, they're very um, uh, similar to the, the video game counterparts. They didn't try yes. and, like, over-design over them or anything. Inside the church, the trio are threatened by another survivor trying to claim the space, but they quickly pacify him. Like, he puts up no resistance. He has them at gunpoint, and Peyton just says, hey, put the gun down. And he does. So, 
he's dead, right? <laughs> I mean, never mind the fact that we didn't ever learn his name. This is the point at which Peyton, Jill, and and uh, Terry introduce each themselves to each other. Nobody gets this guy's name. <laughs> Nobody cares. He is not important enough to this he's, plot. He's zombie food. Yes. <laughs> um... Now, uh, after they introduce each other, Peyton uh, is asked by Terry for an on-camera statement about the outbreak, and before he can respond, they're interrupted by a priest who proclaims that this is God's judgment in this big, dramatic entrance speech that he does. Uh, that, that He's been practicing Terry's... it for the past 13 hours since the outbreak started. He's like, as soon yeah, as I should... get a crowd going... I'm really going to be able to, to attract the flock with this. Mm-hmm. This is going to... Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting. You would think people would be beating down his fucking door at this point, right? Yeah, it just goes but to show you how, situation? how godless we've become as a nation. This is the situation where people fucking find Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better, better opportunity. Um... When they hear a groaning sound and inquire as to what it is, the priest tries to dismiss it, but Jill's having none of that. No, she doesn't give a fuck. And goes to investigate. Yeah, she does not give fuck one. And she finds a woman sitting in a chair in the priest's office, and he just appears out of nowhere. He moves quick. And he claims that this is his sister, and she's not well. And Jill takes a closer look and finds that the woman is a zombie bound to the chair and is surrounded by half-eating, half-eaten body parts. So He wasn't lying. Th- she, she was not well. Yeah, she's not well. She's not he, well. That, that was correct. Uh, clearly, he's been keeping her well-fed. Uh, the priest tries to get Jill to leave, but he gets too close to his sister and she eats it. Typical. Back in the sanctuary, creepy noises scare Terry. Who decides to go out the front door <laughs> until she finds that there are a whole lot of zombies on the other side of it. Yeah, and the film does this thing um, a couple of times throughout. Not often, but sometimes when there's a large group of zombies. Where it's like like one frame every two seconds. Like this weird slow motion frame rate thing they do. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I hate it. But anyway, it's it's supposed to create a more dramatic effect. It pisses me. But off. it does. Yeah, it just doesn't work. I, I'm with you. Um, they then spot a liquor crawling around on the ceiling, which freaks the unnamed survivor out, and he runs elsewhere into the church, only to be found by another liquor and killed. Yeah, none of us saw it coming. No, I could not have predicted. I thought he was going to make. Well, he's it, such an iconic like... character, Mister. Uh, uh, you know. <laughs> Ginger McIrish. Ginger McIrish, um, yeah. Jill makes her way to the, uh, back to the sanctuary where she's stalked by a liquor for a bit before Peyton grabs her from behind and points that there are three of the things in the room. And they decide to try and kill them, but the liquors are just too fast and the pair quickly run out of ammunition. Yeah. Then, for reasons... I'm just going to say for reasons... <laughs> Alice comes flying through a stained glass window on a motorcycle. <laughs> no reason for her to be here that I could tell. No, well, unless, Less unless of a reason. she really did think, well, no one else is doing it, I'll go find Jesus. <laughs> I guess, but wouldn't she use the door? How, how else know. would you get Ma- Jesus' attention? 
too many zombies at the doors, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the better way in was to ride the motorcycle through the stained glass well, window. Well, the thing. Whenever anyone wants to, like, reach out to gods, they're always praying and shit. So they, he's hearing, like, a million prayers. He's gonna perk up when someone just busts <laughs> through his fucking window on a motorbike. <laughs> she knows how to make an entrance. Landing the bike, she drives it around a bit, yeah. and then... Sends it riderless down the center aisle of the sanctuary. <laughs> I love this. This is it, oh, this is amazing. It's this glorious. Is just like who? Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, it's so good. <laughs> there aren't words. Like the the logic, the logic that like the the the, the progression in someone's mind that led to this happening is so delicious to and me. And then you like, factor in joy. the waste, like the yes. waste. Of a of a, a useful vehicle, <laughs> but she sends it flying down the aisle at a, at a liquor. One, just one of them, <laughs> just one, and it strikes it and drives the both of them up vertically into the air somehow. Like, I can see the bike hitting it and flying up. I'm not sure why he's going up with it. When in Rome. <laughs> when in Rome, ignore the laws of physics. Yeah. When in Rome, uh, fly with a motorcycle. The bike flies up into the air with the liquor on its front wheel, on its wheels, and she fires her guns at its gas tank, causing it to explode and kill the liquor. <sighs> there are more liquors is... in that fucking church. <laughs> Oh, yeah, she couldn't yeah. wait for a it to gather. Liquor. A second liquor is that well she doesn't play a lot of video games. No. She's not she's clearly not familiar with the Resident Evil series and the need to conserve ammunition. Oh, you've just said something. Oh. <laughs> Jill Valentine, the actress who plays Jill Valentine, uh, in order to um really get a sense of how to p- uh, portray Jill Went through Resident. Oh, this ought to be good. She went through Resident Evil Three Nemesis, the video game, and learned her. And somehow managed to get it entirely wrong. She allegedly <laughs> learned all of her like physical movements from Jill Valentine in the game from from okay, a PS One game with very few frames of animation. <laughs> that I can see. Yep. Actually. She she takes on poses that are absolutely very Jill Valentine. Yep. If only when she opened her mouth, or if only any of the dialogue matched up to what I think of Jill Valentine as being. This version of the character is not pleasant. Yeah. Doesn't look like Jill Valentine. Doesn't sound like Jill Valentine. Doesn't act no. like Jill Valentine. Not at all. But she got the moves like Jill Valentine. Yeah. So she got she that She got down. them moves like Jill. Damn right. Ugh. I've only got one second liquor that comes up right near the end, so don't worry. Oh, okay. All right. A second liquor is then pinned by uh, Alice shooting the massive cross down from the front of the sanctuary onto the altar. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. And the third is quickly eliminated by kicking a pew into it, making a liquor sandwich, followed by a shotgun to the face. Mm-hmm. 
and not bad effect. Just, no, no, the 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 exploding liquors look good. Um, she then polishes off the one pinned under the cross with another uh, face blast. Looks great. Um, Jill is upset that she's no longer the biggest badass in this room. Mm-hmm. Like that comes across right away. I believe she says, "Who the fuck are you?" Pretty she much. Uses the F. On the streets, the suspected pimp Jill set free in the police station is driving his car for the purpose of comic relief, as he is as he runs over a zombie cop and admires some zombie exotic dancers whose breasts are exposed exposed for our. They pleasure. are exposed for our pleasure. I'm glad you you pointed that out because I um. I'd made it's one of the few notes I made. Um, that that the breasts were exposed for our pleasure. Yes, yes. I'm also yes. remembering because I, I was watching it while I um, had been chatting to you on and off on Skype, um, and I did make sure to give you an update uh, that read Mike Epps is being humorously irreverent about a situation, which is a it's a running it's it's his it's why he's here. Yes, he's there to serve as the comic relief, which is great. This film could probably use a little comic relief in it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, it would have been better if it was funny comic relief. Right, but yeah, yeah. They tried. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, in comparison to everything else in this movie, he's the funniest bit. But that says nothing. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he's the funniest bit trying to be Yeah, funny. that's more like it, yeah. Like, <laughs> like the, the liquor with the bike is way funnier than my caps, but they, they didn't want right. it to be. They were trying to make that Yeah, fun. they were trying to yes. impress us. And, and they did, in their yeah. own special way. Um, in the same way a high school kid would try and impress a girl by, like, fitting his own fist in his mouth or something. I can do that. I can totally do that. I'll do it right now. Have we got many high school girls listening? So, uh, Mike Epps <laughs> crashes his car. <laughs> Runs off on foot. Elsewhere, Umbrella Team is down to three. Carlos, Nikolai, and Yuri. And Yuri gets bitten. Mm-hmm. Nikolai, played by Zach Ward. I, I feel I've got to point him out whenever he shows... Because he's going to show up in a couple of these um, podcasts. Is he playing a Russian or a French-Canadian? I can't tell. Yeah, his accent is... <laughs> um, how do we say this? Uh, it's a free spirit. <laughs> His accent is... He throws it... He, like, he, he puts everything he's got into it. But it yes. doesn't want to put everything it's got into him. Um, but I, yeah, he tries, to, he tries to be Russian, and sometimes he is. His, his name is Russian. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I, my, my, I feel like he's Russian, but because um, his voice constantly wants to not be Russian, uh, it comes yeah, across as yeah. very different. Yeah, I, like I say, I, I, I got a lot of French-Canadian vibe mm. off of it. Team Girl Power, as I'm referring to them, are moving through a graveyard, much to the dissatisfaction of Terry. Alice seems convinced that they're safe, revealing to Terry that she knows the creatures are engineered bioweapons made by Umbrella, and that she used to work for them. Now, in any other zombie-related movie, I'm with Terry, mm-hmm. right? Why the fuck are we in a graveyard? But this is, like, not quite the same thing as, like, a traditional zombie movie. Like, the virus thing, would it infect buried zombies? Like, I I think this is a fairly safe bet, all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But uh, when Alice learns that Peyton's been bitten, she moves to shoot him and is stopped by Jill, who assures Alice that when the time comes, she'll be the one to take care of Peyton. And then a whole bunch of zombies rise from the grave and the group fights them with fisticuffs. Yep. Some more of that stuff from Resident Evil where you can just kung fu a zombie. But, you know, there went there went the whole theory of it. Yeah. Like, now Alice looks really fucking stupid. She does. For this. Yeah. And, and it does it's it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that the zombies are rising from the graves. I'm confused, I want to say fine. something similar happened in one of the like original Resident Evil games, but I can't remember. I know there was zombies in a graveyard at various points of the game, but I can't remember if any had actually been like freshly exhumed corpses. I, I, I'm probably wrong. It's been a long I, time I, since I've I can't. I couldn't possibly remember with certainty one way or another. I mean, you know, the, the, the cemetery trope exists in almost every of course. horror yeah. game uh, of any kind, uh, zombies in particular, because of, you know, what they are. Yeah. But but for the purposes uh, of, of of this film, they, they can come out of the grave if they want. It's up to I them. Guess. We sure. don't pressure Why them not? into coming out of a grave, but if they want to, the option's there. It's it's up to them. Yeah, it's nice to have. Totally. It's nice to be flexible. Yep. I'm gonna wait for this siren to go by. Okay. Because I think I think there's a dead person in it. All right. And won't that be that fun? That would be fun. Wouldn't that be fun if there were a dead person going past my my house? It'd be right so now? thematic. That'd be good. It yeah. would. It would work. It's actually a fire engine. Oh. Well, yeah. there won't be a dead person yeah. inside there. Unless Not budget there. cuts have gotten that bad. <laughs> Am I right? Come on, Phil Bryant. What are you doing? What are you doing? Mississippi is so Chief... underfunded. Come on, Phil. Chief Executive Douche decides that the infection level provides a perfect opportunity to test the Nemesis program and orders its activation. It's at this point that the Umbrella Corporation manages to be, I want to say... A hundred times dumber than the Umbrella Corporation in the first film. Everything that happens from here on out is stupid from them. Well, Umbrella was stupid from a distance in the first film. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of direct involvement in this, but we knew they were pretty fucking stupid because of the events of the first yeah. film and the sort of planning that went into the hive. That just was not well thought out. Now... Now we get to see them in action, mm-hmm. and, and we discover that they are every bit as incompetent as we yeah. thought they were. Their hands-on just, stupidity is remarkable. It's good to be right, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. Um, in the hospital, we see the monster being brought to life. Now, Umbrella Squad's wondering why they can't get an evac helicopter when they spot a chopper carrying some sort of crate. Failing to, get its uh, failing to get its attention after it drops its load at the hospital, they move to investigate. <laughs> it drops its load. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. While we see the crates being opened. By the time Umbrella Squad arrives, they find that the cases are empty, but once held weapons. Yuri then turns into a zombie and bites Carlos before being killed. Yeah. Now, a redneck stars officer is sniping zombies from a rooftop and drinking beer when the player from the police station strolls up and the sniper takes out a zombie about to attack him for which the pimp says thanks and heads into the building only to be held at many gunpoints by additional stars officers when they realize he's not infected they offer him a gun which he refuses by showing his own gold-plated pistols Mm -hmm. 
So he's had these guns. First of all, how'd he get his guns back? Didn't they take them from him at the police station? And if they didn't, what the fuck is wrong with the Raccoon City PD? Yeah. yeah. Then again, right. if, if we were to look at all the continuity errors in this film, we'd be we'd have another podcast because when I was mousing over looking for facts, every scene there's like two continuity errors or audio <laughs> sync Christ. issues. Um, you know, there, there's tons I could point to. At one point, a dog pinning Alice down, and you, you could tell the dog's not even touching her. There's a bit where Alice jumps over a fence, and you can see um, Mila Jovovich fighting with the ropes that are, like, suspending her. Um, <laughs> with all sorts of audio sync issues, like people talking and their lips still moving after the dialogue's been said. There's loads in this film. Wow. I was I must not have been paying that close attention. A lot like, of it is I very always... like it's subtle enough that it's not going to take you out the film. It's just there's right. many of them. Now once once you see you can't yeah, unsee. Yeah, like if you're hunting yeah. for them. If if you're not hunting for them, you won't really spot any of them, but if you start looking, it's riddled. <laughs> Nemesis arrives on the scene. Really good scene of I this thought. I thought it was a good intro. Stars out. Oh my god, he's menacing. This it is he's exactly what you want from Nemesis in a film if you're familiar with the mm-hmm. games. They, yeah, they got him down they, really, they, really well. They nailed it. Uh he comes marching up, and the sniper attempts to shoot him to no effect, and Nemesis responds by firing a rocket back at him. Observing from the command post, Chief Executive Douche feels this is the perfect test opportunity and orders the nemesis to eliminate Star's officers, which he does with a minigun, killing all of the officers in the building, but leaving our lovable pimp on hard. Which, again, I thought was a really good scene because um, they're looking at cameras, um, like they can look through the nemesis's eyes and send mm-hmm. it orders and things, and, you know, it scans the... Uh, one civilian, 12 stars members, kills everyone, now it's just one civilian. And he's got the guns in his hands, and it just says, you know, civilian, minimal threat. And then he drops the guns, and then it's rewritten and says non-combatant, no threat, and then the nemesis walks off. And It was just, I thought that was just a really nicely well-done scene, and like, so quiet and subtle after just that big shootout. And it shows so, it, it reveals so much about Nemesis that I don't really think we get the sense of what it is in the same way as we do, you know, from the games. Mm-hmm. Where it's not a mindless monster in the games, it's clearly hunting, but you don't get the sense it's being directed so explicitly yeah. uh, as it is here. Um, which is interest, an interesting twist yeah. on it. Well, I mean, the um, I mean, this whole scene, the Nemesis' first scene, is a callback to the games. Um, but mm-hmm. it quickly just, like... It's a callback and also a disassociation. Like, it, it wants to reference that it kills Star's members and then quickly moves it on so it can be used for other things. Whereas, obviously, in, in the game, its whole job is finding and killing Star's members, hence why it's constantly running around going, STARS! Which it does do once in this film, just as a fun callback, after it kills and, all the Star's yeah. members. And, and it had to do that, I think. I think it did, yeah. I don't think... Yeah, they, I don't think... There would have been a riot if Nemesis was in the film and never said stars once. But that that presents some writing challenges, and I think that they handled it pretty nimbly. Yeah. 
uh, where that where that thing goes. Yeah. Um, Girl Power Squad continues to travel through the city when payphones start ringing as they travel, and it's Doctor Ashford who offers to get them out of the city in exchange for rescuing his daughter. Mm-hmm. He had a prominent uh, prominent antagonist role on Fringe, the actor who played Ashford. Yes. I, I, I like him yeah. a lot, uh, that actor. He plays a good bad mm. guy. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. Take your time. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, the team's left with a little alternative but to help him because it's revealed that Umbrella has decided to nuke the city at sunrise to contain the infection. Yeah. Now, sensing danger as the crew heads towards the uh, the school, Alice stops on a bridge. And uh, Peyton gets impatient at this. And despite Alice's warnings that there's something out there, decides to keep moving. And he's shot by Nemesis, who is still targeting Star's personnel. Uh, Nemesis then also targets Jill, who escapes while Alice goes to confront Nemesis. And so then we get this first sort of combat encounter between the two of them. Mm-hmm. And she tries to shoot him, and that has no effect. And then she tries getting in close and just sort of thwacks her into a, uh, a support beam of some kind. And she takes off running. He in pursuit with uh, the chain gun and then later the rocket launcher. And uh, she manages to escape by diving through a building window and then destroying the area below a garbage chute hatch so she can slide down to safety. It's a pretty cool escape scene. It's just really difficult to like explain yeah. how she does it. But That's it, it, a running theme throughout this film. All of the fight scenes, I feel, are very cool. Um, and again, more so yeah. than the first. Very cool, very action-packed. A lot of uh, different shit going on. Cannot be explained. You've just really got to go with them on it, otherwise none of it will work. You've just got yeah. to say, I accept that this is cool, and I will not press mm-hmm. the issue further. Yeah, I really, yeah you don't want to think too hard about any of it that's Mm-mm. going on in the just combat. Just enjoy the pretty But colors. it is fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, Nemesis is ordered to disengage from Alice, and she stops to fix one of her fingers, which is totally not supposed to bend the way that it's bent. Jill hotwires a truck and is about to leave the bridge with Terry when Zombie Peyton attacks, and Jill winds up shooting him, so she fulfilled her obligation there. Uh, Nikolai and Carlos are patching up Carlos's wound when they hear a phone ring. I wonder who it could be. Meanwhile, our pimp, whose name is LJ, we're about to learn, comes across Jill and Terry on their way to the school and joins them in the truck. Once they arrive, we're shown destroyed cages inside a Raccoon City Police Department canine van. So, I can't imagine what that could Uh-oh. be. Uh-oh! Inside, the three split up to find Angela more quickly. And Terry is given a gun she clearly has no idea how to use. LJ gets spooked by a skeleton in a science lab, then gets spooked by a zombie behind the skeleton, then gets spooked by Carlos appearing behind him and shooting the zombie. It's a spooky uh, scene. It's a pretty spooky scene for LJ, uh, who uh, finds out that Carlos was also uh, hired on by Ashford to find Mm. Angela. Carlos, by the way, played by the guy who plays the leader of the um, secret order in the Mummy series. 
Oh, yes, he is. That's correct. I'd forgotten about that. There you go. Uh, now, Terry finds a girl in a classroom, but it's not Angela. It's a zombie, and she's not the only one, as Terry is quickly overrun by a horde of zombie children Which, while her camcorder records her grisly that demise. That me. Normally, films, yes. even films of this nature, will shy away from the kid angle. But a whole yeah, it, classroom a, of zombie kids, like, it was actually pretty legit. Like, I was like, yeah, that's, that's a, a little bit bold. It's it's surprising how rarely you see it happen. Like, why zombie directors tend to shy away from zombie kids is something I don't I don't understand. That's, you certainly never see it in child, video games. Yeah, the the zombie kid is terrifying. Mm. Just in, the idea yeah. of it is terrifying. Uh, there was a brief and... one in the, the the Dawn of the Dead remake, which uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake is one of my favorite zombie films. Uh, and there is one briefly really? in that. And, and again, terrifying. Now, hang, and let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back a second. Did you just say the Dawn of the Dead remake is one of your favorite zombie movies? Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Do you want to move on? Like I'm, I'm the hackles are up. I'm really? ready. To, I'm ready to fight about really? this. Really, you, you, you really love I that movie. I adore that movie. I, it's okay. I don't, I don't think it's a, it's, it's a good actiony zombie movie. It's a good fast zombie movie. All right, I'll give it that. I'm more of a, a slow I'll zombie you, guy. I, you, I like the creepy. I tell you, dread. there's one thing Dawn of the Dead does that makes it one of the best. The remake. That makes it fuck Romero. He made zombies a joke. He was he was he was having a he was taking the piss out of them, right? Uh, except Day of the Dead. I really like that one. Anyway, there's one thing the Dawn of the Dead remake does that, for me, makes it like a master class in showing showing what a zombie is, showcasing what a zombie is. It's it's near the beginning of the film, where the main character, the nurse, I forget the name. Um, her boyfriend, husband, whoever he is, turns into a zombie. And, you know, he's going after her, trying to get her. Um, there's a fight in the house. She escapes, gets to the car, uh, starts driving away, and he gets out of the house, and zombie husband is chasing after his girlfriend, wife, whatever. And as soon as another human is nearer to him than her he instantly diverts his course and just grabs her and we don't see him again and that to me is one of the most perfect zombie scenes that's in a film because no no better has it just like described the the total loss of humanity and empathy and familiarity of a person and I think that it's just a beautiful... The shot is just magnificent. Okay. All right, so I'm going to uh, agree with you that George Romero made zombies silly after Day of the Dead, but he had a shit ton of help. He had a shit ton of help. Uh, I, I think the real problem with zombie movies, the real way George Romero made them silly was failing to properly copyright Night of the Living Dead. That... Thus allowing it to be endlessly remade. That, and he felt that in order to really show, like, how uh, how all-encompassing a, a zombie apocalypse is, they had to have, like, be cartoon characters. I've said this before, maybe on this very show, but you would not get 
a Harry Krishna, a nurse, and a clown in the same place. That uh, annoys me. It wasn't. It wasn't an airport. No, in the, well, in the eighties, I think the idea. Well, it was. Right. Hey, let's so differentiate of, the so zombies by putting the them in is... cartoon costumes. Okay. Yeah. And then I, let's I, go. It's a fat zombie. He fell in a fountain. Ha ha ha. Now here are some bikers that are coming in to shit all over the idea of. It's about the juxtaposition. It's 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 you're looking at something that's supposed to be horrifying and on some level is just silly because it's madness. Except it's just silly. I am a big fan of juxtaposition. I I know exactly what you mean. I'm saying Romero made a farce. He didn't make a film. He made a far he made forty towers for zombies. I don't well, I don't think that, that Day, or sorry, I don't think that Dawn of the... Well, Dawn of the Dead isn't about the zombies. No, he didn't his, give a... Romero never gave a shit not, about them. No, because it's not... The, the purpose of the zombies for Romero, and and as I feel it, it is in most of the really good zombie movies, is that it's not about the zombies, it's about the survivors and how they survive, and what it says to live in a world that is under that threat and how I mean, we retreat. I get it. That's what Dawn of the Dead's I get all it. It's about. It's an allegory it's, for it's consumerism. It's an allegory for AIDS. It's a, all this kind of shit, right? I get that. I respect that. Don't be a dickhead about it, though. Well, it was the, it was the, uh, the late 70s. I mean... I'm getting you know. so much shit for this whole bit. <laughs> Uh, all right. So Jill responds to Terry's I'm just screams. saying. <laughs> I've got nothing. I was just being funny. Continue. Jill responds to Terry's screams, but finds the room empty except for Angela, who suggests they leave before her classmates return. Well, Jill grabs Terry's camcorder on their way out, and the pair head to the cafeteria. Angela tries to warn Jill about the zombies in the room, which Jill dismisses as not being a threat due to their slow speed, until Angela clarifies that she meant the zombie dogs. Woof, woof. Woof, woof. Dog attacks, which Jill tries to fend off until Nikolai pops up and takes it out along with all the zombies in the room. People just appear mm -hmm. all the time in this movie. Like, constantly, just out of nowhere. It's like, oh, I'm here. I think, I think, I think, I think you should have burst through the window on a motorbike. That would have been, it would have been, it, it's, everyone else is far more subtle about coming into a room than Angela, than yeah. Alice is. It's worth, it's worth noting. Um, let's see. Nikolai introduces himself to, uh, to Alice, or I'm sorry, to Jill. And then he's immediately attacked by another dog. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jill and Angela escape into the kitchen while Nikolai gets yeah. eaten. It's it's sad how like quickly he's gone. I laughed gone. at his death scene though because the way like you know he's fighting this one dog and then he sees all the other stuff coming and the way he says just oh shit, it was just <laughs> delightful. I love Zach Ward. I don't know if he's a good actor. In, I all I, I know is tell. this: he will never be remembered by anyone except me. And I will carry him in my heart. 
In the kitchen, the dogs catch up to Jill and Angela, and Jill turns the stoves on to leak gas into the room. As they leave, she, she lights a matchbook and throws it behind her, but the matches extinguish before they can light uh, the gas. Probably one of them umbrella matches. Running through the door, they find Alice on the other side, who throws a lit cigarette in the direction of the doors, which ignites the gas as the dogs pass through it, incinerating them while she shields Angela with a fireproof blanket. And once again, Jill is not the biggest badass yeah. in the room. Uh, and I do have to point out that um, the whole standing behind a fireproof blanket... Would yeah, not wh work. While an explosion happens <laughs> a foot away from you... That is not, and I, I've double-checked, that's not actually how reality works. Well, it's alright. It's also not reality that that space could have filled up with enough gas that to cause true, that explosion. Yeah. But none of that matters, because the, the only reality that matters is that Jill is not as big a badass as, as, as the made-up character for the film. Because the message of this film is, those video game characters you know and love are shit <laughs> Compared to my girlfriend slash wife, I can't remember the relationship between Jovovich and Anderson. Uh, well, they they are married. Mo now. Why, 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 future wife? But whether or not by this or past point, wife. Yeah. Either way, I'm boning her, and she's better than Jill. <laughs> Jill observes Alice and Angela observing each other, and Alice says Angela's infected on a massive scale with the T virus. When Jill asks how Alice could know this, Angela says it's because Alice is also... Just ratting each other out. Alice gets Angela to hand over her lunchbox, which has a compartment containing T-virus antivirus. And Angela explains that her father created the T-virus to cure her of a degenerative condition, only to have it taken by Umbrella for use as a bioweapon. Carlos and LJ show up, and Carlos learns of Nikolai's death. Everyone else learns that Carlos has been infected, but it's okay, because it's been a brief enough time that the antivirus will work. At a payphone outside, Ashford informs them of a transport helicopter they'll be able to escape with. After finishing up his discussion, he loses his connection with the network, and Chief Executive Douche reveals that he knows what's yep. up. On the road to the helicopter, Alice administers the antivirus to Carlos and records her story on Terry's camcorder so Jill can get the story out to the public and we can have exposition at the beginning of this movie. At the location of the helicopter, a skyscraper... The I'm sorry, that, that sentence did not come out of my no. mouth right. At the entrance, uh, where the helicopter's located, which is a skyscraper, gotcha. the, the team moves in and begins silent pacification of Umbrella soldiers. A sniper spots them and is about to shoot Carlos when Alice covers his scope and subdues him before running down the side of the tower on a rappelling line and beats up half a dozen soldiers, then another half dozen by the chopper. I, I guess she went up there to deal with any possible snipers. It just seems so far out of the way, and how the fuck did she get up there yeah, so quickly? All quick? I know is, in this scene, there was a major goof, which I learned again from the Amazon thing. I scrolled over to see the facts for this scene, and apparently... Um, Anderson forgot to add uh, a very important bit where a subtitle would flash on the screen over and over again in all caps. She is better than Jill. <laughs> they just, they missed it, huh? They, they failed to yeah, get that in. Yeah, didn't have enough time. Mm, that's unfortunate. You know, you got an effects budget, you gotta exactly. stick with it. Uh, 
boarding the helicopter, Alice stops upon seeing a monitor display showing Nemesis data, and realizing who the helicopter is intended for, feels very strongly about leaving immediately. But Chief Executive Douche is already there holding Angela at gunpoint. Outside the chopper, Nemesis waits with more soldiers and Dr. Ashford, who reunites with Angela. Chief Executive Douche orders Nemesis to drop his primary weapon and admires Alice as, as a research project before ordering her to fight Nemesis under the threat of yeah. killing her companions. Why? Like, his, his uh, whole spiel, he's got to know which one's better, right? They're both really good. Yeah, why can't you just have yeah, both? Yeah, like, what is this, like, like, like they're, they're both really good. <laughs> Keep them both. Why don't you just test them both on human yeah, targets? Yeah, like... That's why you developed like, them. you already have. You already know everything about them. One of them wiped out 12 Except stars which you. one of them would yeah. win in a fight. Except which one, like, yeah. he's got a, a schoolyard bet on with someone. Like, you know, who'd win out of, like, species and a predator. Like, that's, oh, there's another fact. Natasha Henstridge was going to play uh, Jill Valentine, but had to pull out. That would have been so much yeah. better than... That was another fact I just yeah. remembered. But yeah, it's one of those things, you know, oh, which one of these movie characters would win in a fight? It's like, but, dude, you're like, like... They're valuable, expensive research things. Keep them both. Yeah, you've you've invested millions, possibly billions of yeah. dollars into if these you've, things, and now you're gonna have them. If break you've got to watch them fight, like don't do it to the death. Make one of them cry, Uncle. What a fucking wanker! This is at the point of the film where, like, he he spends the rest of the film from here to the end just being evil for the sake of evil. It's one of those yep. things. When Alice refuses to fight Nemesis, Chief Executive Douche shoots Dr. Ashford without skipping a beat, pointing out that this guy is an incredibly valuable asset to the company that he is willing to just destroy to make his toys fight each Who other. Who has he been fucking at Umbrella to get his job? He has... Clearly, he's got to be one of these failing yeah, up like assholes. he's You know, the sort of person that, like, runs a publication utterly into the ground two or three times and then gets promoted uh, into a better position within the parent company that bought out his publication. Like, that's the level that we're talking exactly, about That is exactly... That, that's the only feasible way. He's breaking all of Umbrella's expensive shit! So, Alice and Nemesis do Yeah, the like they're fucking Pokemon. First, they do the hand-to-hand -hand fighting, and then Nemesis breaks a shard off of a steel beam and uses it as a mm -hmm. sword. And the film is very good about Chief showing the the uh, bit of steel beam that was left when he broke it, like jutting out the wall. Yeah, they 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 sure do they they sure do uh, focus the camera on that for a a particularly good length of just time. Just so that like there's no. Like, normally you'd subtly There's do no it, doubt. like, to just establish, at least subconsciously in someone's mind, that it makes sense. Here, it's like, there may as well be a flashing sign that says, Nemesis is going to get skewered <laughs> this on gonna this. This is going to be important. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Chief Executive Douche evens the odds by giving a sword to Alice, which she uses to disarm Nemesis, before pushing him onto the sharp edge of the beam from which he tore his bit off earlier. As Nemesis rides on his sticking pole, she remembers, realizes, acknowledges, 
that Nemesis is her old friend Matt from the Hive and yep. refuses to Had kill Had to be it. played by a different actor. The other one couldn't mm-hmm. reprise his role. Well, it's uh, well they used footage from the prior film. I don't even think they got a different guy to play him in it. I think they just used footage for no, that, oh, and then okay. Nemesis well, was going to be. I'm just. That's it wouldn't what matter who was Amazon in the Nemesis lied suit to anyway. Me on that one, then. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't think there was additional footage of of Matt. Yeah. Shot. Unless the plan uh, was to although, have like the actor play the Nemesis, I I don't know. You know. Well, they're they're in the surgery in the surgery sequences when he's still human-ish. I guess that's what they're referring to there. Be, that yeah, it is a different actor. But I mean, you know, you you could have gotten a body double for that, regardless yeah. one way or the other. I I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't the same actor because no. you never really see. And his it's face. also worth pointing out that the uh, uh, the, uh, the 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 doctor who is in the flashbacks is played by Jorah Mormont from Game of Thrones. That's the guy I mentioned in the last episode. So. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, uh-huh. then there's fun for you. Then there's yeah, that for you. Have fun with it. Yeah. Uh, the uh, chief executive douche appeals to Alice to eliminate Nemesis, saying that she's the successful experiment he's been looking for, uh, and offers to train her, uh, which she also yeah. refuses. And and when she says what becomes of him, like the Nemesis, he's like, oh, he's an evolutionary dead end, and all this stuff. And I'm like, like, yeah. Have you actually? No, he's a very expensive piece of equipment. Have you actually become a Sith Lord now? Like, he's doing <laughs> the entire Sith, like the whole Emperor Palpatine routine here. I think he's just a Star Wars fan, who's who who put on an outfit <laughs> and just convinced everyone he was in charge. <laughs> Nemesis pulls himself free, and Chief Executive Douche prepares to leave, while Carlos starts working on his bonds with a knife. Uh, Douche orders Nemesis, which has retrieved its minigun, to kill Alice, but Nemesis kills the guards on either side of her instead, and then just keeps on killing soldiers. Meanwhile, Carlos breaks free and starts kicking ass too. Chief Executive Douche orders the nuclear strike and Mm -hmm. boards the helicopter while everyone's fighting, but LJ's at the control panel and knocks him out. Another helicopter appears and chases Alice around a building, and she gets stopped by some guards. But she drops her gun and then drops herself, picking the gun back up in mid-fall and shooting them, because Alice is more of a badass than anybody else Especially in this movie. Especially any video game characters. Jill sucks. Nemesis takes out the enemy helicopters, bothering Alice, and one of them lands on him. Zombies start coming in from everywhere, and LJ gets the pilot to start the chopper. Carlos, Angela, and Alice board the helicopter to find Jill already on board with Chief Executive Douche. As they take off, Alice drops the douche to the ground below, leaving him to be eaten by the zombified Ashford when he fails to accurately keep track of how many bullets are in his gun. As they fly into the dawning sky, the nuclear missile arrives and detonates above the Umbrella Facility, a piece of debris flies into the helicopter, impaling Alice, and the helicopter crashes near a waterfall. Uh, two hours later, an Umbrella team surveys the wreckage, finding Alice's body, but no other survivors. And then we're shown snippets of news coverage uh, explaining the aftermath of the events that show Terry's camcorder made it to the press, but Umbrella's nuclear plant meltdown cover-up story successfully manages to discredit the footage as a hoax, and now Jill and Carlos are being sought by police in connection with the incident. At a lab, 
Alice is in a tank of liquid when hearing Angela's voice, she awakens. A scientist asks her if she can understand him, to which she nods, and he has the tank drained. And her breasts are exposed for our pleasure. Which leads me to... That is true. Final fact. In the audio commentary for the very first Resident Evil movie, um, Anderson and Mila Jovovich are doing the commentary. And Jovovich points out how in the first movie she had a nipple exposed, which showed her dedication to the movie. To which Anderson retorts, if you were really dedicated, you'd shown both nipples. Cut to Resident Evil Apocalypse, both nipples. There you go. Truly dedicated to her she, craft. She, she proved herself by exposing her breasts <laughs> for Anderson's pleasure. Yeah, that's for Anderson's pleasure. I mean, our pleasure is incidental. Yeah. Happy accident, this. as Bob Ross would say when he sees a pair of tits. Shivering, Alice tries to form words but fails. And the head scientist tries to assess her mental state further, giving her a pen and trying to get her to identify it by name and use it. He asks if she remembers her name, and memories begin flooding back. Suddenly back to her old self, she beats up the scientists and removes taser leads from her chest to use against the security guard who'd fired them that at her fun. before... Yeah, yeah. Before she escapes the lab. Um, a security guard watching her leave tries to alert the facility when her image suddenly appears on all of the security camera feed displays in front of him, and he begins to bleed from the eyes and mouth. Outside, she's surrounded by guards when a truck pulls up. Carlos and LJ get out and order the guards to stand down, dressed as umbrella people. Uh, a soldier and an executive, I guess. Do the executives all have suits that look the same so you can identify them, or is it just the fact that they've got this soldier uniform guy? I think the, it's I just know. attitude. But, I think it's like the, it's it's a classic confidence trick. It's like what uh, Darren Brown does, you know. It's uh, very mm. much just say it convincingly enough, and they will believe you. It's all bravado. Well, it totally it works because the the guards stand down and and they're able to bring yeah. Alice. When into Jill the truck. Valentine says, "We'll take it from here," uh, her mouth continues moving after she says, "Here, it's another little <laughs> goof for you." a mini mini fact reunited with all of her friends they drive to the gate where they're stopped until the head scientists order that they be let go he then issues an activation command to alice causing some unknown effect on her as they drive away and the camera pulls back to reveal that oh my god umbrella has a satellite in orbit around mm. the earth well i think the the effect was like um because we see blue through her eyes, almost implying, like, Umbrella can now see through her. Well, I mean, there's even, a, like, an Umbrella logo that flashes on yeah, her Oh, yeah, eye. yeah, yeah, that is, very, yeah. Very, very yeah. briefly. Like, it, it's, no. it's not subtle that, that, that some effect has been uh, put on her, but we don't know the extent to which they, like, are they just able to see through her eyes? Are they controlling her Knowing implicitly? Umbrella? We don't know. And their behavior in these films so far... There's no end game for this. They... <laughs> but they got a satellite, and that should make yeah, us all Yeah, they spent scared. a lot of money on a satellite. That's all that matters. 
And that's that's Resident, that's Resident Evil Apocalypse. Apocalypse. Except for some weird bit in, in the middle of the credits where the music slows down and then it just says something like, uh, I forget the exact words, but it's, like this is, it's like a fake infomercial beginning for Umbrella Corp. But it doesn't lead anywhere. It's just the intro. Oh, is it is it regen? I don't even know if it... I don't even know if it's for anything. There was... And I don't... I, I, I sort of skimmed the credits. Like, I sort of skipped through them to see if there was anything at the end. But I didn't think to, like, look in the middle of them. Because who yeah, the fuck like does it, I don't that, think it asshole? was for anything in particular. It was just there. I could be um, wrong, but... But I, I recall the ad campaign surrounding uh this movie uh in particular was focused around like advertisements for an umbrella product based on the t-virus clearly you know that was supposed to you know like was a skin rejuvenation treatment that they were going to offer and I, i i wonder if i could track down that trailer but it was it was one of the earlier examples of sort of internet fake yeah. ad um ar not arg stuff but uh but 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 making an effort to create a a in-game world or an in in film setting world uh extension into the real world that was it was yeah. pretty well executed i thought um but yeah that's that's, that's the, film. the movie i guess so yeah, yeah we'll uh talk next about our thoughts on it So, Conrad, did you like Resident Evil Apocalypse or not? I did. I did like it. Yeah, it's it's a movie that is much more confident about what it is and what it yeah, wants to be. Yeah, as a consequence, a lot more uh, simple, a lot easier to follow. Certainly, as we've discovered, a lot easier to uh, give a plot analysis for. Less characters. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and the characters um, are, are simple mm-hmm. enough. And the not necessary characters are you're not given a ton of investment into you're given just enough to make them okay they're part of the team but they don't flesh out a lot of characters no particularly a lot of them are very stock stereotypes anyway sure and that's and that's fine but the thing i i think that i appreciate about the fact that they didn't go to the same kind of length to give characters backstories the way that they did in the first resident evil movie or you know, in, in as much as they did bother, um, the you don't know who could yeah. die. Yeah, that's just, that is true. It's less obvious. Like, sure, the guy that they didn't bother yeah. giving a name to in the church, yeah, he's gonna die. But any of the people on uh, the sort of Carlos, Yuri, Nikolai trio, any one of them could have been popped off at any time. It's you, know, you get the sense that Carlos is more important because he's the guy who dives out of the helicopter the first time you see him. But apart from that, none of them are particularly developed, and anybody could have died at any time. Uh, we know Jill's going to survive, sure. Well, but considering how this film was contemptuous of her, maybe not. Well, maybe not, but it was yeah. A safe but it, there's, uh, yeah, there are characters, but you can, you can guess that, you can guess wrong. That, yeah. that someone might survive. And I kind of like that. Um, Jill's awful. <laughs> like, they just... No respect no. for that character. Uh, at all. So this, and the, that's kind the, the of a whole, shame. The whole film, like, like Re- the Resident Evil movie universe, 
is designed to tell us how great Claire is. That's the point of it. I mean, people slag off uh, Star Wars Episode Seven by calling, um, you know, Ray a Mary Sue. It's like, no, she's just a very competent character. Claire. No, I keep calling her Claire. Uh, Alice. Alice. That. Like, you compare Alice to, to Ray from Star Wars and tell me which one is more deserving of the title. Like, she, yeah. at one point, like, Jill Valentine is like, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Like, like almost in love with her, just, oh, you're so excellent. And then she gets psychic powers by the end of it. Like, she, she it, it, it is just one big, it's a love letter to a character that was designed for the love letter. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, that's I, that's yeah, the Resident I, I, Evil I movie universe. Um, entertaining, nonetheless. And Mila Jovovich is a, a, a really good performer um, who, as we said earlier, you know, isn't putting her best in these films, but doesn't really have to because the real, like, yeah. you know, there's a lot of explosions, a lot of blood, a lot of motorbikes being, like, flying and, and all this shit like it's a, it's a film you're supposed to just really not think about the only thought you're supposed to have Mike, is wow Alice is awesome Mike Epps as LJ is not particularly no. funny I, I feel like Mike Epps did the uh, very best with what he had to work with yeah and I mean there are there are a couple of points where it's like ah, all right yeah, okay. I'm fine with this. The 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 scene where he and ne- where he's confronted with Nemesis and he drops the guns. That scene works really well not because LJ is an interesting character, but because Nemesis yes. is an interesting yes. character and and that's the interact. And so that works well on that basis, but it's not because we we should have any investment in LJ. Uh, well, I mean, and, the, the, the whole the handling of Nemesis was really good. Um, I mean, the mm-hmm. character was more fleshed out and I think more interesting than the Nemesis from the games, who, you know, was just... It, it was there to be an antagonist that stalks you throughout the game and, you know, you kill it at the end. You know, it's a boss and all this. It, it was very functional. Um, had a very, you right. know iconic look to it real iconic not ubisoft iconic um has clearly resonated with a lot of people over the years um i love it as a as a resident evil uh, mainstay i love the the nemesis uh, but i have to admit the film took it in a very interesting direction and their characterization i mean it's not original you know monster no. that was once a man turns on its masters in the end not original at all. I mean, they were, hell, that goes back to fucking, you know, Frankenstein-style shit. But sure. it was still handled, I thought, quite well. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that the, uh, you know, for a guy that is basically meat yeah. and leather, I mean, that's, that's that's not, that's hard to work with. You, you don't get to no. act so much as position yourself and hope Yeah, well, there's a reason they kept having to, Um, like, get very, very extreme close-up shots of his one good eye just to get any sense of emotional read from him. It's the only bit of him that worked underneath all the latex. But it's it's a good portrayal. And, and yeah, and I I do agree. It's, it's, 
I think it's it's more interesting than the Resident Evil neme the game Nemesis um, because we get to learn more a little bit more about it mm -hmm. and how it works and 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 it feels humanized uh, in a way that that Nemesis just doesn't. In a way There's that a lot of the Resident human. Evil game series monsters are, you know, very few of them are given a that real sense. Um, you know, there are characters like Lisa um, and that, that that were later added into the series canon that got some of that. But that this movie was um, a very early uh, uh, way of doing that in any Resident Evil fiction. If I recall correctly, I'm sure there's some fan who knows way more than me who will correct oh, me no on doubt. that. But, but yeah, like the, you know, giving these, these bioweapons humanizing fa facets, not original, but lent something lent something a little extra to the film well you're looking at a, a zombie movie and 99 out of 100 zombie movies the zombies are mindless and there isn't really a a higher no. power at work you know there's 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 no rationality behind the surface of them uh there's not this organization that's orchestrating things. And so I think it makes sense to add a little bit of uh, uh, humanizing depth to the monsters in, in this series, because they're yeah. made by man. They're made of man. They're made by man and they should reflect man to some extent. Um, and not in the, the same way that the empty shell zombie shambling horde once represented man and now represented in some, metaphorical post that whatever you want to call it you know there's a, a there's a humanity within these monsters yeah. because man made that them may that be way. a reason for and i'm going to drop a fact on you here maybe a reason Ooh. why the general zombie population of the film which were played mostly by um very much like in the first film mostly by um, um dance i can't remember if it's dance students or actual dance professionals but dancers a lot of the zombies are played by dancers, and when they they went, they all went to a zombie boot camp to learn how to be zombies, and they were never allowed to shuffle their feet, nor raise their arms up in a traditional zombie game. Uh, that may be part of it, just to make them a bit more human-like, rather than your shuffling corpse. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing to think yeah, about. Could... Maybe, maybe it maybe. might be a rubbish thing to think about. I'll leave that up to the listener. But 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 watching this it actually makes me excited to see the next Resident Evil. I kind of want to know where they're going with it, in a, in a way that's much stronger yeah. than the last one. I'm not sure which one of the next ones is the one that I've seen, but there is. Um, I think Extinction I think is might the next be the one, one that I saw. Um, it it either the one that introduces Wesker and it is of. From what I remember, it is a film of... It is a film very similar in, in flavour to this one. Very fucking mm -hmm. stupid. Almost infuriatingly stupid in places. And yet, like, if you just don't think about it too much, it's, it's a laugh. It's alright. It's I, unlike Need for Speed, which I will never watch again, I don't imagine I'll die before having watched this film again. I imagine mm -hmm. there'll be some point I'll be bored or there'll be people round and it will be just like, you know what? 
Resident Evil Aftermath. That Aftermath uh, Apocalypse. That will keep us sorted. Well, there's there's Afterlife, which is like yeah. the fifth one, if you count the animation oh, don't degeneration. Make me watch that one so. Oh, we are going to have to at some point. The animation. No, uh-huh. it's so yeah. bad. But we'll, we'll get to that at some point. But yeah, Resident Evil, uh, Apocalypse. I rate it. I I, I, I yeah. like it. It's not a good film. But it is, I, for my money, a very entertaining one and more so than the first one. Def- oh, definitely more entertaining than the first one, and and it's it's solidly constructed. The it's effects paced are well. very good, it, uh, for, especially for Anderson. It doesn't fuck around. There's there's there are action beats every ten minutes or so, so you're not there's not a ton of downtime. Um, it just sort of moves briskly from one thing to the next to the next, and uh, feels much more of an action movie than the sort of uh, creeping hallways horror that... Yeah. Uh, and that at one point, one um, Colonel Douche, uh, when Alice... I should have said this during the write-up, uh, during the, the summary, when Nemesis and Alice are fighting, he, he yells, finish him. And Anderson directed Mortal Kombat. Dun, dun, there you go, dun. There. Amazon felt yeah. it was important enough to point out. Who am I to disagree with Amazon? So what's, what's next, next indeed? Give me a moment, I'll remember what we decided on. Now I've got this. I've got this. Do you? Let's see, because we, yeah. we're not, we're, we're not going to do Silent Hill. And we weren't going to do no. Postal yet. So instead, right. you look through the movies that were listed... I got it! Do you want me to tell you, or... Prince of Persia. Okay. That's right. <laughs> I was so excited when I remembered. <laughs> I'd completely forgotten. Um, like we've only been going hour and a half. It feels longer. Um, but not because it was boring. It does, but boring. this... Was... I, this, this, this we've, don't you dare fucking say that, listeners. This is a return to form. I know. I think I think we got through things pretty briskly. It, it moved. It, it, there there was some stuff to talk about, but it didn't drag like yeah, the film. Exactly, just like the film. So, yeah. see, these episodes all reflect the exactly. Films Don't that blame based us. Upon. All right, it's the films that are to blame. You know, you could say, "Oh well, if you're talented enough, you would make it." G-. Shut up. We're not. We're no. not. Yes, exactly. And You're if you not expect that us to be more fool, you why are you why are you paying me? <laughs> you have been warned. What the hell's wrong with you? Anyway, Jake Gyllenhaal is gonna he's gonna, he's run, gonna run on, on walls. walls. He's gonna appropriate culture. He's gonna entertain and delight us all. I've not seen Prince of Persia. I've not seen it. Neither so have I. That'll be two weeks from now. Uh, so get watching if you want to be caught up and, uh, you know, know the film and follow along with us. Or, you know, do you have to? I don't know. I, I actually let us know, like, if you if you listen to this show without watching the films, because I want to know, like, what you would get out of it or, or whether you can enjoy it as much or, or if there's stuff you feel you're missing. Like, I'm genuinely interested if there are people who listen to this but don't watch the movies. Um but either way, if you are a watcher, you got two weeks, Prince of Persia. 
check it out and uh, you can keep checking us out. Uh, Conrad and I did uh, some E3 impressions. They're available on my YouTube channel and they're also available bundled together as a podcast on this very feed. Um, so if you subscribe to this, you may already have heard it. Um, but otherwise, you can check out Conrad Zimmerman at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter. Com- Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter uh, or his YouTube channel, same name, Conrad Zimmerman and Fist Shark Marketing. It's a comedy podcast we do together, yeah. fistshark.com. And uh, I think that's it for us. Yeah. Right yeah. on. Well, yeah. Oh, thank thanks. You. I'm glad you could join us. So I was I, I was thanking them. Um, but... So was I. I, I wasn't. Oh, okay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>